you stand in reverence as we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning from 2 Kings. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please. Let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended into a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. May these words lead us to the heart of God. Our scripture passage this morning takes us back, perhaps to the greatest of all the prophets, whom we might encounter in the pages of the Hebrew Scripture, Elijah. This is his final scene. This is his grand finale. God is swooping him, taking him up into heaven. This story is part history, part cosmology, part mystery. And if you are anything like me as you read through it, you think this is pretty peculiar. I'm not really too familiar with chariots of fire and People being swooped up into the heavens before they die. And yet our story tells us all of that. But one of the things this story sets up is for the Hebrew people, Elijah coming back was going to be the sign of the Messianic age. So this leaves the door open for Elijah to return because he has yet to die. He can still be God's prophet or God's messenger in a time in the future. In fact, even today, if you celebrate a Passover Seder with a Jewish family, they will probably leave a chair open. The chair is for Elijah because he may come back this year. 
They remember how God had used Elijah, and they're looking for Elijah's return. You may remember from the gospel stories when John the Baptist began to baptize, when he was living in the wilderness and calling people to repent. Who did people think he was? Elijah. Many said, ah, this is Elijah who has returned. When Jesus, in another story, asked his own disciples, who do people say that I am? Remember, one of their answers was, Elijah, come back. It's a sign of what God's doing in our midst. And we read this story today because we mark this day in the Christian liturgical calendar as Transfiguration Sunday. So we have the season of Christmas followed by Epiphany and the Sundays after Epiphany. The last Sunday in this season is today, Transfiguration Sunday, just before we move into Lent. Transfiguration Sunday remembers a different story from the Gospels. You may remember this one. Jesus takes his favorite three disciples, kind of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, on a little trip, and they climb up on a mountain. While they're up there, two major figures from their faith appear, Moses and Elijah. And the story says that Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah, and as they are talking, his countenance changes, and he becomes dazzling white, bright as light. But then, just as they're taking all that in, a cloud comes, and they're all covered in the cloud, and the disciples hear a voice that says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. That's the transfiguration story. The whole season of Epiphany brings us scripture readings about God's character and how we come to know God through the manifestation or the revelation of Jesus Christ. The transfiguration story names Jesus as son of God. It makes the claim of his sonship that God, just as he worked, in Moses and Elijah is now at work in Jesus Christ. So the appearance of Elijah is a sign, if you know this part of the history, that Jesus is the Messiah or Jesus is the Christ. Now that's all background to the story that we read today. This story is at the end of the time of Elijah, the man who had been the champion of God, the champion of Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews. He had defended him and been his messenger to the people and to other cultures around them. But now we come to the end of his life and we're introduced to Elisha, who's going to take the mantle of leadership and authority. So this story is showing us how the leadership is being turned over to a new prophet, a new generation. But it also, this story also serves to show us the kind of leader that Elisha promises to be. You heard it in the story repeated over and over. Elijah says, stay here. And what does Elisha say every time? As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Elijah says, stay here. And Elisha says, no, I will not leave you. He goes to another place, stay here. Elisha says, no, I will not leave you. 
It shows his tremendous loyalty and commitment to the call that he feels has come from God for him to serve Elijah and to be ready to take on the mantle of leadership. There's insight here today, and I think the lesson for us today is this. Loyalty and commitment are key elements in our work with God. So many examples of that as I was reading the text this week of people who have come here to serve and then stayed the rest of their time here. Before I came, there were so many associate pastors that were long-tenured pastors. When I got here, Reverend Harold Reynolds, Reverend Art McGrew, Reverend Gordon Spencer, they were all long-tenured associate pastors. Fred Elder came to be the organist as a young man, stayed for his entire career. Brenda Reed came to be our administrator, stayed for the rest of her career with us. Reverend Eva Marie Campbell and Dr. Joel Pensera are here now. They've both been here over 20 years serving God, feeling like God has brought them here. And their loyalty and their commitment to this place and to serve you and any and all that God draws to this place are great examples of loyalty and commitment and leadership. But probably the greatest example of all is my predecessor, Dr. Muzon Biggs. You know they brought him up here from Texas, not for a year or two. Even though he took a cut in pay, he stayed 10, then 20, then 30 years. Nobody's done more ministry here in the 130 years of this church than Dr. Biggs. He grew our church in stewardship and membership and outreach to the community and missions and interfaith relations and the list goes on. He showed such great loyalty and commitment to you all in this congregation that it just grew and flourished under his leadership. Our story talks about that kind of loyalty and commitment and how God uses it to make a difference in lives. God is able to use that kind of commitment and loyalty to make a real difference in the lives of thousands upon thousands of people. Good news of God's love come to us through Jesus Christ is often most effectively communicated from people in which you see loyalty and commitment to you and to God's proclamation and of serving for the good of others. But it's not just clergy people who have been on staff. It's lay leaders here through the centuries as well. If you look out here in the hallway where we have the pictures of all the pastors, if you look for the first 45 years of our history together, these pastors were coming and going. They were staying one year, two year, none more than five years, with one exception in the first 45 years of the life of this church. It was the lay leaders that were instrumental in keeping Boston Avenue running and serving. I think over the history of this church, what the lay leaders had to deal with, two world wars. And then six months after they moved into this magnificent building, yet with some debt, the stock market crashed, and you know what followed. A Great Depression unfolded. They were very near losing this building, but it was our lay leaders who made some really hard decisions 
but some really important leadership decisions that said it's important, even at great personal sacrifice, to save this building, to hold this congregation together. The dream and the vision had been build the building so this congregation can be a beacon of hope to the community and beyond. And they believed so much. They had so much loyalty and so much commitment. They did what it would take to hold this congregation together through all of that. It was the lay people leading in missions, teaching Sunday school, rocking the babies, teaching the children, leading the choirs. The lay people that God had drawn into this family of faith had such deep loyalty and commitment. We have the privilege of coming here today to worship together. I think they spoke through their lives the same way that Elisha spoke to his mentor Elijah as the Lord lives and as you yourself live. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I'm committed to this call that I have responded to. I think of one other example I want to share. Dr. Clarence and Carolyn Britt were members of this congregation. In 1979, they felt a call of God to establish an endowment fund to help other people who were feeling the call of God to go into ordained ministry. So they set up a scholarship fund for seminary students, people who were committing to God to go into full-time ministry. And it's continued to serve this church and the United Methodist Church and so many other organizations so well. Think about it in your own mind. They set it up in 79, so 89, 99, 2009, 2019, 23, 24, 25, 40, 45 years, soon 50 years. Their dollars that they established in this endowment have been creating income that the church has been able to give to seminaries to support students so that they could pursue and respond to this call of God that they felt on their lives. Can you imagine what kind of loyalty and commitment it takes to take out of your own resources and say, here's a big chunk for the church, for students, I will not know, but for a legacy a commitment that will outlive my life. Both of them have passed away now, but their gift out of their deep loyalty and commitment to Boston Avenue just keeps on giving. We have four students in seminary right now, one preparing to start soon, another one that's in the local church pastor candidacy process. Their funds help support all of them and so many more to respond to this call of God upon their lives but this story teaches us one more thing it reminds us that God raises up new leaders for each generation God is alive and at work calling leaders from our midst as I said we have some in seminary right now but God is at work calling people in every time and place we should be looking for those we see who God might be calling. When we see gifts and graces for ministry, we can help them discern that call upon their lives. 
I wouldn't have ended up in ministry if I didn't have people in my local church saying to me as I was growing up, David, I think God has gifted you for ministry. David, I think God's doing something in your life. David, pay attention. I think God has given you all the gifts to lead a church. I was a teenager. I wasn't thinking about those kind of things, but it was other people around me. They were seeing it. They had eyes to see it. They helped call me out and into ministry. They helped me discern that call of God on my life. When people respond to God's call, it's a testimony to God's work, but also their faithfulness and being willing to respond. We're going to sing a song in a minute. It says, here I am, Lord talks about the calling of God and will we be the one that responds in our time and place is God calling you maybe into a new leadership role here at the church maybe into ordained ministry maybe into the mission field maybe God's calling you into a particular profession outside of the church but which God has given you gifts and passion to fulfill for the common good the Bible teaches us all of us are given gifts to be used for the common good, to be used to love and serve others, to be used to build up the community so that all might flourish and know the abundant life that God intends for each of us. God might be calling you. Are you listening for God's call? It may not even be in the church, but it could be. It may be hands-on service, but like the Brits before us, maybe God's calling you to use your resources to help others serve by making a gift or establishing a fund or contributing to some work or mission in which you believe. All of it is done out of this sense of calling and response of faithfulness from those who feel they want to make a commitment and stay loyal to the call as they go throughout their lives. The story this morning gives all of us an opportunity to think about what is God doing in my life, to consider, to ponder, to contemplate, to discern where is God calling me now? What is God wanting to do in my life? And what is God wanting me to do with my life right now? Are you listening for God to call? And like Elisha, obstacles come up. People will say no or stop. But Elisha just kept on going. He was clear about his calling, his mission. And he continued to follow through despite it all. God's call comes to us all. May each of us be as tenacious as Elisha. Amen. And thanks be to God.